All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuck, Billies? What the fuck, Minster Fowers? How's it going? It's Mark Marin. This is WTF. Back to business as usual, I guess it would be. There was the, the, the open with uh, fuck words intact, uh, which were removed from my mouth out of respect for the uh, president of the United States of America. Now, am I going to milk that? No, I feel like it was all done uh, very nicely, and it's a memory in my mind. I still have not, I will be honest with you, I still have not watched any television since I talked to the president of the United States. But uh, now we're back. We're back to, uh, we're back to the show. And uh, it, it might be a slight adjustment, but uh, but uh, I things go on. Life goes on. The president had a big week. I had a big week. Not comparing. Obviously, he had uh, some bigger responsibilities than I did. I am in uh, New York City currently. I am recording this over the weekend. I am. Uh, I just did the. I did Port Chester on Thursday, which was uh, fun. Last night I did the uh, Howard Opera house uh, at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, which was amazing. 2,000 people there. You know, before I tell you about what's happening in my life, can I tell you that I have some gigs coming up that I would like people to come to, primarily Boulder Theater in Boulder, Colorado. The Boulder Theater is Friday, July 24th. Saturday, July 25th, I'll be at the Paramount Theater in Denver, Colorado. Those are coming up. I believe that Portland is sold out for the 10th and the 11th at the Aladdin and Revolution Hall two different uh, places but uh, the Colorado dates so if you need to see me and these are the only dates uh, that you have open fly to Colorado I will say this though that uh, Penelope Spheris is on the show and her uh, daughter will join us as well briefly at the at the end Anna Fox they they work together Penelope uh, Spheris is the director of uh, I guess most people would know her for Wayne's World but more importantly uh, she she did the Decline movies, the Decline in Western Civilization 1, 2, and 3, the first one being punk rock, the second one being metal, and the third one being the Krusty Punks. But the first two, which I'm most familiar with, are fucking great movies. Decline in Western Civilization Part 2 is a, is sort of this weird life-changing movie for whatever reason. And and, and I, watched, I watched, they sent me the box from Shout Factory, which is where you can get them. I watched the first one, which I hadn't seen in years. And a lot of it focused on X and John Doe, who I've had on the show. And to see him as a young, sort of sweaty, kind of high dude was wild, man. It's, you know, age is, uh, age will humble us all. So, you know what I don't talk about enough? I, I actually don't talk about my TV show on IFC enough. Marin on IFC is in its third season, and I think it's, Truly the best season we've done. It's the funniest season. And it's on Thursday nights at 10 o'clock on IFC, wherever you are, wherever you may be. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, I, I'm just, I'm proud of the show. It's funny. And because, you know, I, I, I shot it a while ago and it seems far away from me, uh, I sometimes forget that it's, uh, it's there. It's 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 and I and I would like you to watch it because there's it's funny. This week is a good one on Thursday. It's the Professor of Desire episode written by the amazing Jerry Stahl, uh starring me and Adam Goldberg and uh it's a uh, it's a little crazy. It's a little uh a little dark, a little sexy, but it's uh but it's a good one. So do that. I can plug myself a little, can I? Okay. Yeah. I think I can. Where am I going tonight? 
Well, I'm going to be doing Huntington, Long Island, and I'm going to be doing New Jersey, Red Bank, New Jersey. And I've been told, I've been informed that um, that my father will be uh, joining me in Red Bank, New Jersey. I don't think I've seen my father in months. Uh, his sister lives down there, so that I'll have something to report to you next week about the uh, the excitement of uh, the old man in whatever condition he's going to be in uh, showing up at the show. And I think that's why I'm a little heavy-hearted. I'm a little skittish. I'm a little weirded out. I, I know I just talked to the president, and, and that's wonderful. And, uh, you know, my father, was uh, he seemed to be somewhat impressed. Uh, I, I think he sent me an email saying, uh, maybe this means you can be on television interviewing people, which I think is, is reasonable. I don't think it was that contentious. But I'll let you know how it goes when I when I see him over the uh, over the weekend here. Yeah, so I got a little more tour left, and then uh, and then what happens? I seriously think I seriously think I'm gonna have to take a little break from comedy. It's been it's been it's been rough going in a lot of ways in terms of just doing all the dates. They've been great. I taped the special, but now I got to go back to the drawing board. Who is Mark Marin now? Who is Mark Marin uh, post uh, taping of comedy special and post uh, discussion or conversation with the president? Got to sort that stuff out. Maybe should hit the lecture circuit, something like that, or maybe I should just hold up. I'm really looking for a way to just hold up. That's my dream. I've shared it before, just to disconnect. See you later. Not engaging anymore. Anyways, I was happy to uh, to have Penelope Spheris, and I got Rich Voss on Thursday. People thought I was kidding when I said I'd be following President Obama with uh, with Rich Voss, and uh, but it's true, it's true. And I'll be home for the Fourth of July, which is always exciting in my neighborhood. I can just go into my neighbor Dennis's yard. Uh, my and Dennis, uh, of course, is the guy who had the snipers on his roof. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna be referring to it quite a bit. I will say this about Portland. There's going to be, uh, bring a little extra bread if you can. Uh, Brian Jones, the guy who makes the WTF mugs, the hand-thrown mugs, the potter dude up in Portland is going to be selling them at the shows. And there's a, a limited supply of those, but he will be there. But, uh, you know, it's for the 4th of July, man. I remember doing it here in New York. It's weird. I, I did another one of these articles where some kid uh, from The Voice, he's like, uh, can we walk around the Lower East Side? And uh, just being in New York in the summer, the weather's been perfect for once. It's starting to rain today, but I've had two amazing days. They, you know, the humidity, the pressure cooker has not really started. But man, did I spend some sweaty days just sweating out toxins, running around the Lower East Side, doing comedy in my shorts. Yeah, a little nostalgic. A little nostalgic. Oh, my God. I just, I can't believe the life. I can't believe the life. I am grateful. Okay, I'm grateful today. Do that. Once you do that, you know, until I get my uh, my aggravated chops back, be thankful for your life. Okay, it's hard, but Jesus, man, surprising, surprising where it can take you. So right now, let's go to the garage and talk to Penelope Spheris. This is a good interview, man. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't really realize about her. She's been a lot of places. She knows a lot of people. She's made some good movies, and she's a pip. And uh, the relationship between her and her daughter is pretty touching, and, and uh, I enjoyed talking to them. You can get the Decline box, Decline in Western Civilization 1, 2, and 3 at Shout Factory. All right, let's do that. Let's talk to Penelope Spears. <laughs> Penelope Spheris. Spheris. 
like a sphere. Spherus. What kind of name is that? Oh, it's Greek. Really? Uh huh. And that's the whole of it. Um, no, my mom was Irish. Yeah. My you... father came from Greece, and my mom came from Kansas. Really? Yes. That's exotic. So, you, was your mother like, uh, oh my God, a Greek man? Well, he he actually um, owned a carnival. My dad did, and he was traveling through town. Uh huh. And he was she was she was nineteen, and he was forty. Your mother ran off with the carnival. Basically, yes. Forty and nineteen. Yes, he already had a family, and he just ditched them, and then picked up my mom on the street, and then they got married, and they he had four more kids. Yeah, with her. So you have a, a whole set of siblings from uh, half siblings. No, they're full. Well, you mean there's a whole that whole other family? Yeah. They really totally ditched out on him. Oh, so really? I only just have my brother, two brothers and a sister. Uh-huh. You have no idea about those people. Well, they tried to get a house from us that was supposed to be ours at one point, but then I had to go fight with them and I won. Really? Yeah. What, what, was that, uh, what do you mean? Cause it was it, in Arkansas because my dad had a home in Arkansas when we weren't traveling around. He would go, we would go there. And so the other family tried to, to snag the home. And so, yeah. And it was a terrible, awful fight because... You know, it reminded me of my father dying, and so it just, like, brought up all that horrible stuff. So this was years later. Yeah, yeah, that was years later. So that home stayed that in the in family? That was in the 80s. Really? That home stayed in the family that long? Yeah, my mom just kind of let it sit there, and some lawyer dude just took the money, and they never sent it to us. We, we, My brothers and sisters and I were raised on trailer parks after the carnival. Okay, so, so you, you're born... Your your father's first family split, so it's your mom who's twenty years, twenty one years younger than your dad, with a with a kid. How many? You're the oldest. Oldest. So, and there were two other ones. My sister Linda, and then my brother Jimmy, who was a singer, and he passed away. He got killed by a drunk driver in eighty four, yeah. and then my brother Andy, who's still with us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you traveled in the carnival. Up until when I was almost seven, we traveled in the carnival. But I think, you know, your your personality is pretty much formed by the time you're that age. So you have so. a carnival personality. I believe I do. <laughs> and I think, Mark, that's why I kind of fit into the movie business. <laughs> right. Or, so, you know, yeah. What kind of memories do you have of that? Because that's a fairly impressionable time. And to be in a carnival, like I was always fascinated with, with freak shows and uh, the Midway. Uh, and, and I would go to the Albuquerque State Fair and I was... I was kind of into that. Do, do you have, there's something, I, I guess, charming and haunting about a carnival. Yes, and, and, and it was both for me as well. And I have lots of memories of the sawdust on the midway. And I have lots of, actually I have lots of photos uh, and a little bit of moving footage of um, the carnival. And my daughter, Anna Fox, who uh-huh. uh, I work with, uh, is going to be, or she's already, ha- she got a cut on a movie about the same subject. So Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. It's a good movie. It's a good piece. It really is because the about str- the carnival. Yes, um, You're a documentary about yes, your life, about my life, and more my mother's life on the carnival, and the fact that my father was murdered in Troy, Alabama, in a racial incident what? in 1951. Yes, that's that's what happened, and so that's why we had to give up the carnival. Mm-hmm. What? Wow. That's all right. So leading up to that, I mean, what were your jo- what was your your mother's job at the carnival? Did she? It seems like in a carnival, everybody has a part. To oh play. yeah, mm-hmm. everybody pitches in. Well, mainly my mom was um, she, the ticket taker, right? And I would sit like right in the ticket box there when when the um, people came in and paid, 
and she would take their money and give them some tickets, and they would go in. And my dad was strong man. He was a wrestler, actually, and so he would do what they call free acts outside. So, and he would stand out there and like do things like put chains on his arms and right. let cars drive away and all the cars would the wheels would spin uh-huh. and he would be like the strongest man in the whole wide world and <laughs> did then, you believe it oh yeah totally <laughs> you, you never saw the trick and uh, well they did put a little oil under the tires <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now was there other uh, oddities at the carnival i mean oh yeah i mean it wasn't like an animal based carnival cuz that's more a circus the yeah. carnival that i was on it was mostly um, just freaks and, yeah. and, and what kind of freaks psychics and yeah. gypsies and oh. stuff uh what kind of freaks um well you know there there's your basic um Fat lady, can I say sure, that on sure. the air? Babies in jars? Were there babies in jars? Ca- no, uh, <laughs> that's really funny. No, <laughs> oh dear. Um, fat no. ladies, okay, yeah, there that's fine. Fat, fat ladies and bearded ladies and Siamese twins. Yeah, Siamese twins. We did actually, and there are pictures of old Siamese twins. My mom used to go, "Oh, there's Violet and Daisy." I mean, Violet she would, and Daisy. Well, my mom would know these characters because they were on the carnival. But Violet and Daisy were on your carnival. I mean, yeah, I'm just making these names up at this point, but oh. yeah, they they were people that my mom recognized. I knew Ronnie and Donnie. Ronnie and Donnie were the ones that toured. With Are those the, the, those the Wahlbergs? Oh, they're <laughs> not. <laughs> that would be that would be terrifying. <laughs> they were twins. They were Siamese twins. Was it Donnie and Mark Wahlberg Siamese twin, which is <laughs> constantly beating each other over the head. That would <laughs> with, be so with their, with their, <laughs> With their Boston with their accents, spare arm. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw I saw Ronnie and Donnie, and uh, yeah, and I know there was a. Uh, I just became very fascinated. So yeah, bearded lady, yeah, the fat lady, you had Siamese. That's full. Uh, that's a full freak show. Oh yeah, we we and so that's why when I got into the film business, it was like a full freak show. So I was pretty comfy with it. Sure, but like, do you have recollections of were all these people nice people? Was there a sort of a community setting? Did you oh, eat yeah. together? And oh, my mom cooked and and t- and took the tickets and and she would cook for like a hundred people. That's fascinating. And um, they it was a family, and that's why with like when I did the decline movies, those 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 kids, those punk rock kids that were kind of like thrust out from right. their families. To me, I felt like they, they, it was the same as the people on the carnival. You know, they, they kind of reform a family. Yeah, punk rock was definitely a carnival yeah. and a freak show. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what happened with your father? Let's get to that and move up through the, the, the rest of it. I mean, what, what happened? Well, there was a, um, <clears throat> there was a, um, a black guy that was, it was a young man actually, um, probably late teens, early 20s that had joined the carnival and, he, um, a lady had twisted her foot and ankle, whatever, and he had uh, been told to go get some ice. So he stepped in front of some people who were waiting to buy ice cream uh-huh. and to get some ice. And a guy in the line got mad because he didn't want a black guy get in front of him. So he hit him on the back of the neck with a cane and um, hurt him pretty bad. And he went to tell my dad about it. And when my dad approached the man, it was in Troy, Alabama, my dad approached the man, he pulled out a gun and shot him. Oh my God, that is insane. And 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 we're talking early 50s here. So Mark, what do you think? Did the guy go to jail or not? In Troy, Alabama? No. No. Not he, for very long. Not at all. Not at all? No, he was... My father was wrong because he was protecting a black man was the premise of the defense. But was it... Did they say it was self-defense or something? 
They just that, that was enough that, that yeah. So that I mean I don't know what the laws were, but obviously segregation was still enforced and in place. Big and time, horrible. My dad used to take us around to his friends' uh, houses that were kind of in the backwoods through the south. That's mostly where we were, and um, and we would go and visit his friends along yeah. the roads, along the highways there in. Um, black families who were really wonderful people and when we on the way back my dad would say okay don't tell anybody on a carnival we did that now because they're not going to understand really and that was the carnival they're pretty liberal minded yeah so your but your father didn't really see color lines so he, you know because he was an immigrant himself my and, mom either yeah right. i learned from a, a young age yeah yeah and after your father was killed uh what happens to the family where do you end up arkansas yeah, we went and lived in that house we had in Arkansas and um, stayed there for a short time. And my mom met some guy named Bill Stanton who was in the Army and he had to move to California. We'd get relocated. So we moved to California and then she ditched him and she found um, I had seven stepfathers. She, I swear to God. She man. never gave up. No, no. She, <laughs> you're funny. She never gave up. There's always another one around the corner. No, she was a trip. My mom was a trip. I did a little movie about her. She passed away now. They called her Gypsy because she was from the carnival, but she was a trip. She's, um, you know, like if she needed tires, she would marry a guy that had a tire store because she didn't want to just go sleep with him. You right, know? right. She, she was a moral... Moral person. She wanted to spend a, at least a year or two with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, so, and you know, I had all kinds of... Uh, you know, uh, strawberry picker stepdad at one point. He oh, was, yeah? He was a cool dude, Antonio Della Torre. And we got really good strawberries at that time. Sure. And so your mom married a guy for strawberries. Well, I think he was actually very cute. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I think cute and strawberries. Trying to get late on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of pies. So seven, huh? So you moved, to, but you spent most of the time in California once you got here? Oh, yeah. We, we just moved around. We were Long Beach. How old uh, were you? Like, when we got out here, probably 10, 9, 9 10, something and, like and that. And then you were here. You're California. Yeah, and then girl. we're here. Yeah, and then we would be in trailer parks down in uh, Chula Vista and um, National City and um, Midway City. Wow. And uh, Different trailers, or did you move the... Yeah, we, we every once in a while we'd bump it up to like a twenty-four footer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty good for six people. You know oh what my I mean? god! Have you ever heard people having sex in a trailer? It's just horrible. The whole thing I mean, must move. The whole thing moves, and it's just creepy. So you it knew just, when it was going on. Oh yeah, and you know it kind of made me kind of like just not not even want to be involved with sex. I was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, sure. Why the rocking stop and this shaking thing. the damn trailer? The house. Yeah. Shaking the house. I mean, well, when we finally did get a house, I didn't hear it too bad, but you know. So whatever. there were six? Where how, how was there six? Three, four, five? Four, four kids and then a mom. Oh, there was a, a fourth one. Four children. Yeah. yeah. Two brothers and a sister and me. Yeah. And it was all, was that all from your original father? Yeah. And yeah. she never had other kids? No, she goes, I'm having my tubes tied after this one because, you know, <laughs> I ain't doing this again. Then my dad got pissed at her and started going over and fucking the... The trapeze artist lady. Oh, yeah? Did you have a kid with her? Yeah, who knows? Maybe I have a half-sister somewhere. <laughs> a trapeze artist. <laughs> Fucking the trapeze artist. There you go. That's carny life. She didn't know about it? That didn't start some shit? Who, my your mom? mom? Yeah, she'd go, Penelope, go over there and get your daddy. He shouldn't be over there with that red-headed bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Exciting life. So so you grew up in all these different locations here in Southern California, and then yeah, what, what compels you? Uh, to to uh, to pursue film. 
Well, I actually was in art school at the same time um, in Long Beach State, at the same time Steven Spielberg was there. And I don't know what he was doing there because there was no film school. But Did you know him? No, I didn't. Mm. I wish I would have, though. I met him later on the Little Rascals movie. He yeah. produced that one that I directed. But then, uh, you know, I went from the art school, kind of the, the people in the art school were a little bit posery to me. So, yeah. so I kind of swung the other way and I went to UC Irvine and studied the sciences and ended up focusing on... Um, Psychobiology of all things, which is actually the study of human behavior. And really? So yeah, and I and I really loved it. I found a, a professor that was just fantastic, Dr. George Falcon, and he really guided me through. And I was just falling in love with that. And then one day, a guy who's a director still, Bill Norton, who was going to school there, said to me he was going to go to school at Long Beach State. Co- I mean, at uh, UCLA to film school. And I'm like, what? You mean they have a place that, that'll teach you how to make a movie? He goes, yeah, UCLA, they go film school. Oh, I'm down. I'm going there. So that's why I took off and went to UCLA. And that was it. That, okay, there, the, the, where was it? Where did Spielberg end up? At US, USC? Yeah, he ended up at USC. And then the, the battle began between the two schools. <laughs> just because of who of us went to no. know. <laughs> so you got out of psychobiology. What, what do you think drove you to that? To psychobiology, I mean, I think my, the fact that I that I really just love studying human behavior and that I was really on a constant lifelong quest to understand my mother's erratic behavior, and I think now in retrospect, I look back and as brilliant and as genius as she was, yeah, and as kind and loving and sweet, I think she probably was bipolar or had some other personality disorder. Oh, really? Why was it? Was she uh, she uh, show symptoms of that? Yeah, she, she had some badass mood swings. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> is that did 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 the mood swings coincide with the time the man spent in the family? Could be, could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as soon as she got a new boyfriend, she was fine. Right, exactly. <laughs> the depression ended. Yeah, right. No, on. no. I grew up. My dad was uh, bipolar, and it's a it's a uh, tricky uh, disposition. Um. It's tricky disposition. But see, the to be thing around. is, a lot of it, and which is, may account for uh, part or all of your your intelligence and brilliance, because a lot of those people who are on the edge of insanity are also extremely bright, you know. And yeah, no, it's you. You are certainly, as the child of one, you are certainly wired to interface mm-hmm. with uh, you know a, a broad spectrum of uh, of emotional and psychological mm-hmm. uh, uh, frequencies. I'm uh, mm-hmm. being polite. No, no, I know, and it, it's good training. It, for dealing with the world. I I guess so, but it's not great for relationships. How'd you do? Oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never got married. Never? No, I, I mean, I didn't see the purpose of it, you know? Never got married and never wanted to and yeah. still don't want to. Right. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, but you had you you had some. I have some your... like my 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 stints are usually six years. Oh, I do six years. That's about right. Yeah, I don't do no weekenders. I don't do no like uh, you know. You lock in month long. Yeah. I do like a six year deal and it's and then, over with. Then we, yeah. it just fizzles out later, dude. Doesn't yeah. <laughs> not angrily, just sort of like Ugh, I'm exhausted. Well, I think there's only one that I totally fucking hate, but I think the rest of them I still love. Uh huh. In and a way, uh, what about her dad? Oh, her dad was a sweetheart. Oh. I met him when I was going to school at, at UCLA, and I was I was putting myself through school at IHOP. Yeah, and uh, he was he walked in one night. It was a hippie days, you know. Yeah. He's wearing a tablecloth, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had hair down to here, and he was gorgeous. Yeah, as you can tell by looking at Anna, she uh-huh. he was she got her looks from somewhere, and um, but you know back in the day, ah. Uh, him and his friend Gene Krischer, good dude, but those guys, man, they did a hell of a lot of drugs. Yeah, what kind? Oh, true. Acid? 
Oh yeah, of yeah. course. And I did too, you know. And then, and I mean, you know, he was in, you know, I was like, what's that stuff? DMT. I mean, yeah. he got serious with stuff. Yeah, and yeah. then he, but he really, really loved the downers. And unfortunately, he passed away in 1974 from a heroin overdose. Oh. And I was four years old. Yeah. So I was, I was, um, it was terrible, you know, to have to go through that. Um, but I was there, you know, to take care of my daughter for uh, as a single mom. See, this is what, like early 70s? 74. So 74, you're in film school, you're working at IHOP, you got a man, you got a baby, your man dies of dope. Right. Which wasn't unusual at that time. That's right. Uh, and, and you're still studying film and you finished film school? I finished film school and I and I started a company called Rock and Reel, which I believe is, uh, and I'm waiting for someone to dispute this, but I might th- I might be right that it it, it was the first uh, music video company here in Los Angeles, and I made yeah music videos for the record companies, mostly CBS and on Warner. film. Yeah, we shot film, 16 millimeter film. So they weren't quite music videos; they were promotional pieces to be played where. Well, what happened was a friend of mine named Peter Felbin, who is still an awesome dude, used yeah. to work at CBS Records, and he says to me, called me up one day, he goes, Penelope, let's let's do a music video. I said, oh, what is that? And he goes, well, we just figured out we don't have to send the whole band around the world and have them destroy hotels and everything, and we could just like send a piece of film. So you shoot the film, we send, make a bunch of copies, and we send it around. So that was like 1973 that they figured that out. So you opened the company when you graduated in 74, 75? Yeah, I don't remember when I graduated. They kicked me out, actually. I graduated, but I just stayed there way, way, way too long. You know? Oh, really? Way too long. Do, do, were there other people in your program that uh, you still are friends with or became people that we would know? Yeah, Paul Schrader was there. Oh, yeah? Really? Uh-huh, Schrader and um, wow, me. No, I think that was it. Were you friends with him? With Schrader? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think he kind of liked me. and uh, That would have been exciting. Yeah, because he, inter- <laughs> he introduced me <laughs> He introduced me to Bobby De Niro, and, uh-huh. and, 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 and Bobby came over to my house a few times, and I thought, hmm, this guy's cute, man. I got something going on here. So did you, did you get together with De Niro? Well, he, uh-huh. like I said, he visited a few times, and uh-huh. he comes over one day, and he goes, you know, I don't think I better come over and see you anymore, because Paul likes you, and I'm like... And he goes, I'm doing this movie Taxi Driver with him, so I don't think I better step on his toes. Oh, no no problem. Oh, so were you dating Schrader? No, I wasn't. I'm like, Bobby, this is a ridiculous excuse. But later we were to find out that I was actually the wrong color for, for Bobby. For, for De Niro. Yeah. So well, what about Schrader? No, I was the right color for him, but I don't... I, I, I He didn't... Um, God he, bless him, but he wasn't my type. He's a He's a dark dude. Well, so am I, but at least I come out of the hole sometimes, you know? <laughs> just just to see how light it is, maybe yeah. get a little color, get a little go back in. Comedy going here, yeah. Sure. But, uh, all right, so so that it seems like you were you were part of that crew or on the periphery of that crew that was there when, when the entire industry was changing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you probably felt that, I imagine. I mean, because the 70s, outside of culturally everything that's going on, music-wise and drug-wise and everything else, you know, the Hollywood system is shifting. Right, right. And, and you knew some of those guys, it seems. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was kind of slipping into some parties and stuff like that. I didn't really understand Hollywood, and I didn't get to know it until I met Lorne Michaels in around 1973. Four, three, whatever. Right, right before Saturday then. Night Live, you know, because I, he, he was sitting in my living room one day, and he goes, "I got an idea for a TV show, maybe something live from New York." I don't know. Really? Swear to God, he was sitting. I was making. What was a, he doing in L.A.? 
Uh, he had a friend here named John Head, and yeah. John lived in L.A. He had come from Toronto. Yeah. He was just visiting. And he's a friend of yours? John was a friend of mine, and that's why I knew Lauren. It seems like people hung out more then. Like, there was always people at people's houses. Well, that's because there was no social media. Right. There's no social media. You can't text. No you, cell you phones. No Nothing. cell phones. Yeah. You had to actually look at each other and talk. You had to make one call and go, all right, I'm going to come by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or else you just go there. And then there were parties and people hung out. That's right. Smoked some weed. Yeah. Talked the all old, night. That yeah. stuff. The old fashioned So way. Lauren Michaels is at your house and it hits him that he's going to do a variety show. Well, he might have had the idea before he was at my house, but that's where he told me about it. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so he... Um, and he, he was just a me, guy from Canada, right? He had, some, well, he had a show up in Canada. Right, the Lauren and the comedy yeah. team. Yeah, and he goes, I don't know what's going to happen to my show when I leave. Anyway, so what he did was he asked me uh, if I wanted to go to New York. And I had my little daughter, Anna, and I said, no, I'm going to stay here. I didn't know it was going to turn into Saturday Night Live. You know right. I mean? And um, I said, but if you need anything, I'm here. So he calls me up one day and he goes, I found this really funny guy, Albert Brooks. And I really would love it if you could teach Albert how to make movies because... Uh-huh. Because you know how, and Albert doesn't. And so he can make really good movies on the show. So I did, I produced six movies or whatever number it was for, for Shiny Night Live that Albert directed. That was great. Those are great. The shorts. Yeah, I never I never was able, yeah, I, I wanted to direct. And Lauren kept saying, if you write something that's good enough, you can direct for the show. And I'm right. like, well, that never happened. But um, Did you show Albert how to make movies? Hell yes, I did. From beginning to end. You sat down with Albert Brooks? Yes. I said, you put the camera right here, Albert, and the lens goes that way, and if you got a long <laughs> lens, you can do this, and you can... I taught Albert how to make movies. I will say that publicly, and he, he, he would, I'm sure, agree. Yeah. But the trade-off, Mark, was great, because I knew nothing of Hollywood. Right. And Albert was born here and raised here, wherever we are. I don't know where yeah, I'm yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he knew it inside and out. Well, yeah, he, he, he grew up yeah. in it. Yeah. And you guys became friends as well? Albert and I were friends. I was working with him for four years, and I had just left a stint with Richard Pryor, if you can believe that. So, What'd you do with Pryor? Oh, wait a minute. Were you working on that fucking movie? The, the, the Uncle Tom's Fairy Tales, yeah. That's what I was oh working on. Oh, my God. So you... And that, that thing never came together. Were you the one he hired to sit in his house and do the editing? Yes, that's me. Oh, my God. Yeah. I spent I spent two years in the same room with Richard Pryor and four years in the same room with Albert Brooks. You want to know why I'm nuts? But, no. <laughs> uh, but wait, that like that period in Pryor's life. I mean, that was when you know he was he was pretty huge as a comic. He was just on the edge, right? Really, he was just on the edge. He was just starting to make some money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 where did he find you? He just found you at school. I was walking with Bobby and his dad across the UCLA campus, and Bobby said, "Oh my God, look at that guy! It's Richard Pryor." And I, he was wearing like a long pimp coat, you know, and a hat and a leather thing. Uh-huh. And, 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 and I said, who's Richard Pryor? And he goes, the funniest man on the face of the Who's earth. this? Who said that? Bobby? Bobby, her dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I went, Bobby went up and said, hey, man, you're really cool. And yeah. he goes, what are you doing here? I'm looking for some film students to help me make a movie. And I'm like, you found him. So, yeah, we worked with. You um, and Bobby did. Yeah. Bobby shot the camera and uh, I produced the oh, movie. Oh, my God. What was that fucking like? Unreal. Holy shit, because he's all jacked up. and yeah, but He used to walk, Mark, he used to walk around in a samurai kind of uh, uh, coat yeah. thingy. At his mansion? Well, it wasn't. It was over on Hancock Park okay. on Plymouth. It yeah. was, and um, he had just married Shelley Bonus. And, and um, you know, Paul Mooney was around yeah. and all those people. Sure. And 
Richard would walk around with a, a, a plate of Coke in one hand and a bottle of Corvassier in the other. Uh-huh. And we, he would tell me how he wanted the movie cut. And I would, so it's changing every second. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, big time. Totally. And, and so I had to like, do whatever he needed, and I did. And, and, what was um, the movie about? It kept changing every day. But what was the the basic pitch the at the pre- beginning? The, the premise of it was there was this white guy that had raped a black woman and that he was on trial for doing so with an all-black judge and jury. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I uh, it was... A comedy? How... Well, it was a dark comedy. Sort of yeah. like, was he basing it like around like Putney Swope or something like that? Or? Yeah, it was a little more, um, I don't know, radical even yeah. than Putney Swope Because he was still, you know, just out of like uh, Oakland and stuff. And he was still <clears throat> sort of trying to, like, he, he was still politically minded and mm-hmm. uh, kind of radical, right? Uh, oh, Richard was, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was after the man. It was funny, though, because one day there was a knock on the door, and uh, right. he said, you go answer it. I'm like, okay. And and uh, I go, Richard, I go to the door, and I go, Richard, it, it's somebody from the IRS. <laughs> and he goes, tell him I'm not here. Yeah. I said, okay. Yeah. So I go back. And I and I and I let him. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, Mr. Pryor's not here right now. And Richard comes up behind him with a pair of um, of um, garden cutters? shears, oh, oh, garden yeah, shears, yeah, yeah. and he's like snapping yeah, at yeah. the bushes, cutting leaves yeah. off. And he's going, "I'm just the gardener, and I don't know where Mr. Pryor is either." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my God, Richard!" <laughs> but they didn't know what he looked like back then. You know what I mean? He hadn't gone that public right, at that sure, point sure. yeah so that's what 73 or 74 Seven, well actually richard told me i was pregnant and i had um, we were shooting yeah. and i fainted and yeah. when i woke up he's got this white pimp coat on at that point and he points down and he goes that bitch you're pregnant <laughs> and i said what no way and i picked myself up but he was right and so i had anna oh my god so and, how long did you spend with him Oh, I don't know. I'm all of '69, uh, the, the year 1969. Oh, and it was in, that. It was that early. Yes, that's oh, what so I'm saying. It was before he really. Right. Yeah, I was in film school, so, yeah, so like, he just gotten here, probably give or take a bit. Yeah, yeah, but he was doing. You know, he still had that feel of he was a big somebody. Yeah. You know, right to, to all of us. You right. know. So you and Mooney and Bobby and you're mm-hmm. sitting around and he's you're, you're all doing blow and mm-hmm. he's trying to figure out what the movie is and mm-hmm. everything's changing. How much footage did you actually shoot of that? Well, quite a bit, actually. And um, it, we cut it together and I spent a long time because uh, Anna was born in 69, December. Yeah. And then uh, Rain... Rain, his daughter, was born in July. So um, it was like six, eight months after that, because I remember Anna being in the little cradle thing rain. Next, to, next to the uh, moviola that I was working on. And Rain was in the rain crib, was too? Rain was around. Yeah. Yeah, so. That's cute. Little babies. Little babies while you're everyone sweating, doing blow, and cutting movies. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? We what? survived. No, no. I, look, I'm not judging. It sounds no. pretty exciting. It, yeah. I'm pretty mean, crazy. I'm kind of, yeah. On the job training. Yeah. But what happened to the footage? Well, one day Shelly got mad and, and said, you are, or she came down and she said, you are, you're spending so much time on this movie. You don't care about me. And he had just bought her this really beautiful, well, although the animal lovers wouldn't like it, but it was all the way down to the floor, yeah. a red fox coat, and yeah. he had given it to her, and it was sitting right over there, and 
And she was griping that he wasn't giving her enough attention. So um, he got up, and I had just shown him the whole cut of the movie. Yeah. He reached Feature. In, uh, yeah. Well, it was about an hour, and uh-huh. a little over an hour. Uh-huh. And he reached into the bin of the moviola, Mark, and he tore the film into pieces about five inches long. And I was just horrified because I had just cut it. And you can't digitally put it back together back in those yeah, days. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. And so I'm just like horrified. Shelly got me. I ran upstairs. And then Richard gets out and gets in his car. And she hears the car fire up. So she runs down. And I guess she was naked at that point, And she jumped on the hood of the car. And he took off with Shelly naked on the hood of the car. And I picked up the fox coat and got in my car and chased after him because I thought, well, if I, if I, if I get to her, I can give her the coat to put on. Right. Which I did. Oh, my God. So they had some fight. And mm-hmm. he said, fuck this. Took mm-hmm. off. She jumped on the car naked. You followed them with the coat and gave it to her. And mm-hmm. she wasn't hurt. No, she wasn't hurt. And was that the end of the movie? Uh, no, I pasted it back to <laughs> No, you're talking Richard Pryor here. No, it, it, I pasted it back together, yeah. and it and it was funky. And then at one point he says to me, Penelope, we need to show this film to Bill Cosby. <laughs> and I said, okay. I know, the story gets thicker, doesn't it? Uh, I said, okay. And he, so he goes, can you get one of those rooms there at UCLA? And I did. I got a room, a projection room, and Bill came in, and we showed him the movie. And Richard said that he needed some money and he was going to sell the movie to Bill Cosby. Oh, that was his plan. He's going to sell the movie for Bill Cosby to produce it or to... Re- to finish it, to pr- get that, it distributed. That was, that was his coked up plan is to get you know, Mr. Clean, Bill Cosby. Well, what we know now makes it different. But in retro, like at that time, the biggest black comedian in the country. Right. Uh, and, and a clean act, not a revolutionary. Right. right. And, he's, and Richard Pryor's like, we got this, we got this movie and, and Cosby's going to buy it. Well, the, the the logic, I think, from the other side of the fence is that Cosby went, this guy could be really bad competition for me. I think I'll just take this thing and put it away somewhere. And what happened? I, he did. He bought I, it? I, I think so, because none of us ever heard of it ever again. Or none, no one so can, Cosby gave him money, took the print, and that was it. That's my best guess. But that's but the, the deal was made, though. I, I mean, didn't see that happen. I know that was Richard's intention. And was that your only experience with Cosby? Well, there was... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know where that was yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that was the only experience. And then did you keep in touch with Richard after that? Or I remember he owed me a bunch of money, and I went over to get it from him, and he was sitting at his big old table there with his, mm-hmm. you know, Gervasier straw. His blow, yeah. yeah. And I said, you know, I've been working for like six, eight weeks here. You think I could probably just get paid a little bit or something? And he goes, we're not working on this movie anymore. Bye. That was it. And that was the end of it. Yeah. So, okay. So you had that amazing experience with Richard. Then you showed uh, the the young Albert Brooks, the the young, sweet, non-coked up Albert Brooks. Oh, excuse me. Back up on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Uh, Hollywood. No, no, no. No, but I mean, but I mean, it must have been a different experience. I should let Albert tell you about that. I'd love to. I I was on Twitter with him for an hour the other night. I I can't get him to come over here. Oh, he said he he's said a, he's a I, recluse. I think. Yeah, I know. He said I could interview him on Twitter, so I did for a little while. Oh, that's <laughs> it funny. was funny. But okay, but you do uh, you do walk through the, the 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 paces of filmmaking with Albert and get him on his feet. And what was your credit on those films? On um, the Saturday Night Live films, yeah. I don't know, probably producer. Uh-huh. But then I also produced a feature with Albert. Uh, Which one? Real Life. You produced that? Yes, I did. Holy shit, that's a great movie. I asked him about that the other night. And that's when I decided I didn't want to produce anymore. That was it. 
Yeah. Why? Well, because he he has a, a history, you know, God bless him if you can do it, go ahead, but of kind of having a girlfriend that's the lead in the movie or other way around. Mm-hmm. And so the Francis Lee McCain, he was kind of going out with, yeah. and, and he had given her a couple points in the movie, and then they kind of broke up during the middle of the movie, and he, and, and he said to me, you know, Penelope, I need you to go get the points back. <laughs> and I'm like, um, Albert, I don't think that's quite fair. I mean, she is doing the movie, and she's going to complete. He goes, get the points back. Uh-huh. So I go into her dressing room, and I'm like, D- do you think um, maybe it would be okay if we kind of took those points back? She started throwing shoes at me, uh-huh. you know. So, yeah, at that point, I decided, well, why don't I try the directing thing instead of the producing thing? And what did you do after that? What was your first film? Uh, the Decline of Western Civilization. That was the first uh, The feature. documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched it again. And oh, it's, you did? Yeah, yeah, because I got this box. No, they gave it to you? Yeah, they're re- like I got it twice. I got the I got it before it was packaged. Oh, and then okay. I got the packaged version. They like you, Mark. Oh no, I, I I loved it. I mean, I hadn't watched it in years, and I just had John Doe in here about a month ago. I heard it, and it was great, right? Yeah, he's pretty pretty cool. But like seeing him as a kid and seeing them all loopy and see like the amount mm-hmm. of time, like how raw it was and how much uh, time you gave everybody on camera mm-hmm. and all the 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 sort of um, the the non talking moments mm-hmm. where they're just sweating and nodding and like, <laughs> and Darby Crash and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was really raw, man. Well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was raw partially because we didn't have a lot of money to shoot, and also because you know I just kind of like things that way. <laughs> but were, who were your inspirations really when you were coming up as a filmmaker? Who did, did what movies did you like? Who were your guys? I was a big fan of Ca- Cassavetes. Sure, you know, um, and uh, for documentarians, I, I have to say that my biggest hero is Frederick Weissman. I don't know his work. Can you hit me with a couple titles? Oh man, yeah. Um, Boot camp. Okay. Uh, he did his most amazing work to me is he, he shot inside a mental hospital called and it's called Titicut Follies, uh-huh. and um, I just love his work because he puts the camera there, turns it on, lets it happen, and lets the viewer decide if they like it or not. He doesn't try to impose an opinion, you know. Right, right. So when so you studied that stuff. Oh, big time! Yeah, at UCLA. And mm-hmm. when when it came time to do like, what was your involvement? What inspired uh, the movie? Where you you saw punk happening? You're coming out of the '60s and '70s. This is what '79, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So so you you felt something happening in LA? Yeah, you know, Mark. It was a time when you just didn't want to listen to the radio. Right. There's just way too much BGS and ABBA going on. Okay. So sure, uh, I remember that I was in high school. It was horrible. Were you? Yeah. 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 I bet you were so cute. Just waiting for something. Yeah. <laughs> a little round, chubby Jewish oh, face and my curly Chubby? Hair. You're not my, chubby. Uh, yeah. Back then, I was a little chubby in okay. my mind. Yeah. But I don't know. It was a bad time for music. And then uh, once I heard the Sex Pistols and started going to the punk clubs around town here in Los Angeles, I realized that I needed to shoot the scene because there was like a big shift in music at that point. Right. You know, it, the punk rock just tried to tear down tradition in every way possible. And I like that. And I like the chaos. I like the confusion. I like the aggression. I like the mess, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they sort of welcomed you in. They, were you part of it? 
in a way. I mean, I mean, before the movie. Yeah, I mean, everybody I shot, I knew already. Right, right, right. And it, like, uh, so you knew you were hanging out with John and Exine. You're hanging out with Darby. You're hanging out with what's his name, Claude. Yeah. And uh, uh-huh. what's uh, the fear guy? What's fear? Leaving. Leaving. Yeah. Still talked. I talked to him yesterday. You did. Yeah. He's a, a really uh, wonderful person, and we're still in touch with quite a few people from the movie. Eugene. Circle jerks. Yes, we love uh, Keith and I are our friends, and Anna. Anna actually is more in touch, and since we put the DVD box set together, um, she's been in touch with them and was able to kind of reach out to them and pull it all together. So, But like when you were in it, like I guess it was just because like watching the movie and, and the choices you made in, in editing and stuff, it, it really, you know, the the feeling of it was was raw and it just matched the music perfectly. But the way you held on, on uh, you know, sometimes with no dialogue and not necessarily music and you were just sort of moving around and showing these kids mm-hmm. that uh, you you really felt the, the time, you know. Well, and that's it, my Frederick Weissman, yeah. uh, you know, effect yeah. because that's what he did. That was his style and that's why he was brilliant, you yeah. know. And I really recommend his film to any any documentarians that want to, you know, do it. All the young people that do want to do that stuff, go watch Fred Weisman films. Well, so was that what your plan was, to be a documentarian? My plan was to pay the rent and to feed my daughter. And I, everybody goes, why did you do all these different kind of movies, Penelope? Well, I did them because I needed a job. Well, how were you going to sell that movie? Who was giving you money for that? Oh, this wonderful man named... <laughs> um, Jeff Prettyman, mm-hmm. and he was a uh, businessman from the Valley. He was actually you know, like my age, although back then, since he was so much more adult, because he, he had a job, yeah. uh, he felt older, but we're kind of the same age. Uh-huh. But my friend Ron Hugo said, um, you know, my friend uh, Jeff needs wants to make a porno movie, so he wanted to know if you would help him. And I'm like, um, well, I'm not going to do no porno movie. Um, you know, my mom was like so so straight and narrow. You didn't uh, do any porn? I didn't do no porno movie. Didn't movies. shoot no porno movie? No. All right. Yeah, I could have done it good, but I didn't do Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, Jeff um, gave me the money to do the first decline. Yeah. And um, I told him in the beginning, I said, it's, I, all I need, because I was going to shoot it on Super, on Super 8, Mark. Uh-huh. And I said, all I need, Jeff, is like 12 grand and I can put this whole thing together. Right. And and then we, we, it took him down to a germ show and he goes, ah, this is this is more important than, than we think. We better keep going here. And I'm really? like, yeah, he was cool. You know, it's like, so we're going to bump it up, bump it up, bump it up. So it ended up costing like 10 times as much as it was supposed to. But he's never bitched about it. And the cool thing is years later, I was able to put him in some of my movies, you know, like when I got actual real studio jobs. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I put him in some of my movies. He's still got SAG insurance, so he's real happy. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so, but you, you, you went from Decline 1, which did all right? It did all right? Did it make money? No, no, it didn't make any money. Poor Jeff. But... um it didn't make any money and I never made any money on it, it but it was the most written about movie of 1980 uh-huh. so that's kind of cool put me on a map as sure. on the map as a director yeah and then um, I did uh, Decline 2 I guess was 1987 yeah. what'd you do between 80 and 87 I did a movie called Suburbia next oh yeah I did Suburbia that was sort of like a, it was kind of almost uh, inspired by Decline That's in a right. way right uh-huh. and you built out fictional characters who wrote that did you write I it? did yeah yeah, because I remember that. Yeah, I remember you. seeing that. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people say suburbia and decline one changed their lives, which is really gratifying for me, you know. And then after that I did a movie called Dudes that had um 
John Cryer in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was kind of a punk rock cow, uh, western. And people were financing these movies. You got enough of a well, rep that to where... Was, that was Herb Jaffe that financed oh, yeah. uh, Dudes. And Roger Corman financed uh, Suburbia. Oh, yeah. Along with a lovely man named Burt Dragon, who was a furniture magnate in Cleveland, Ohio, that came out here and wanted to make movies. So I put Burt and Roger together, and they financed it. Did you spend a lot of time with Corman? I spent a decent amount. You know, the, Roger was cool. He was, he gave me a list like of things to do, like as a director. I still got that list. It was, it's a trip. Um, and, and, you know, the first thing on the list is sit down in the director's chair as much as possible. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to sit down for? I learned you got to sit down, you know, but Roger was cool. Yeah. God bless him. Is he still around? Roger's still with us. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. Yeah. Did you talk to him? Uh, uh, occasionally at the Director's Guild. I uh-huh. see him. Uh-huh. So Okay, so then you do those two movies, then you do Decline 2, which I saw, and it was like, holy fuck. That movie, that <laughs> made some money, right? No. No, that was amazing. How's it going to make money? I don't know, but it was an amazing movie. No. I knew guys in that. that Did you really? That, yeah, that, it was almost like you, you, you captured the essence of punk and the essence of what killed it. that movie had a profound impact on me oh yeah well good i mean i think a lot of people but you know somebody said the other day they said you know you get you get uh credited with uh the birth of uh grunge because you did that movie so as a reaction to that movie grunge happened interesting so people were like fuck this well yeah i guess but i don't know i don't necessarily well you know take that when did you make the third one uh 97 and what what did that capture? I come trying. It's more of um, it's more really about homeless punks, gutter punks, you know, oh, oh, right, the crusty right, right. kids. Sure, they're covered with the green goo. Yeah, with the green. I always notice that their clothes have sort of a patina of, of grime, greenish yeah, grime. Yeah, and we don't know if it's mold or <laughs> squatter grime. I love them though. Those are my family. Those uh, guys in Decline Three. I love those guys. Ah, uh, yeah. so but but after after Decline Two, is that where uh, you and Lauren regroup? Yeah, because there wasn't anybody else in Hollywood really that knew much about headbangers, and you know Wayne and Garth thought they were headbangers, right? So, um, yeah, I think part of the reason I got that gig was because Lauren felt bad that he never let me do um, pieces on Saturday Night Live. Had you been in touch with him during that time? Not really, but we were close enough, I think, over from the back years. in the day. Yeah, yeah. And he just calls and goes, yeah, uh, Penelope. Yeah, yeah, Penelope. Yeah. Um, you know, it, this doesn't really matter, but we're doing a movie, and it, and it, and if you don't mind, we, we can just go out to Mr. Charles after, but we talk about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> 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 this is a Lauren. Lauren is like he only cares about where you're going to eat. Nothing else matters. <laughs> well, you know, we can go to Spago if you want, but you know, uh-huh. I mean, forget the movies. You know, we just go and eat. So you go to Mr. Charles to talk about Wayne's World, <laughs> something he, like that. Was he? So he was here. He came out and to meet with you. Oh, yeah, he had that company, Broadway Video, that, yeah. you know, was uh, at uh, Paramount and in New York. And so, um, yeah. Um, do you like him? Do I like Lorne? Yeah. I I have a love, you know, everybody love hates Lorne, you know. No one admits to hating Lorne. Not really? on my show. Well, what do I have to lose at this point? Nothing. He got pissed at me because I wouldn't do um, Ladies Man. So I didn't do that movie and he kind of got pissed because he called me like four times and they never called me after that. You know, I probably should have done it. But that but, was after Wayne's World. You know, Lorne, I think Lorne is one of those uh, genius 
uh, uh, crazy people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and those are the people in my mind that change the world. Yeah. And I have a huge respect for him, just mm-hmm. as I do with for for Mike Myers and all the other brilliant comedians I've worked with. Right. You know, he's a freaky dude. Lauren yeah. is a freaky dude. I mean, yeah. he laughs at the weirdest stuff. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like what? You know, well, the bees and the oh. and the gigantic uh, you know uh, corn guys with yeah. those green giant guys. Yeah. I mean, where the hell does that come from? You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whoa but yeah. were you there when the for the first uh, season taping were there like the premiere taping did you go to new york for the no i didn't, didn't i wasn't there for that no for any of that huh uh-uh. All right, so okay, so he takes you to Mr. Chow's and he says you want to direct Wayne's World. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I was mo- the most mostly the meetings were at Paramount, uh-huh. you know, and I was actually on. I ha- I could either get one of two jobs. I I could either do a documentary uh, ab- uh, about Patton State Hospital for the criminally insane, <laughs> yeah, or get the gig to do my first studio movie, and it was my seventh movie, mind you, yeah. at Paramount Pictures. I was not in the Directors Guild or anything, and yeah. I remember they had wall phones. At that point, you know, right. and I remember being in the in the uh, uh, mental hospital over there, and I thought, "Excuse me, guys, I think I'm going to go make a call." <laughs> so I go and I use the wall phone, and I call up my agent while you're shooting the mental. No, I, I didn't shoot. Oh. I was trying to. You know, we were talking about doing the movie, right, you know. Right, yeah, so yeah. I was, like I said, I was going to do either one or the other, and uh-huh. I call up my agent, and I'm like, "Did I get the gig?" And he goes, "You got the gig." So I'm in this mental hospital, <laughs> and uh, the yeah. lady over there had just to t- show me around. It's like, well, there's shit on the wall everywhere because when they go and really nuts they just smear shit everywhere so i either got <laughs> i either got to do <laughs> i either got to do the crazy hospital movie yeah. or wayne's world right. and i'm not sure which one i did yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, there you go <laughs> boom yeah it must have been an amazing experience to be given some money big money to make oh, a big movie too when they drove me they took me to the set they picked me up at my home they had a teamster guy right there driving in a limo and they drove me to the set and there was all these trucks and I looked at it and I went I think we must be at the wrong place we don't need that many trucks right you know because I never welcome to to a union shoot exactly yeah <laughs> yeah welcome to, to to money and power yeah so all right so you did you have to meet with Mike Oh, yeah. That was all part of the process. Uh Mike had to give me his blessing, and that's the way Lauren does things. But with Mike, I mean, I I know that I've read that you you had some issues with him initially. I interviewed him. Oh, yeah? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I spent an hour with him at his place, and he was, you know, relatively candid and, and, you know, obviously a brilliant guy. Yeah. But uh, I can imagine he was difficult. You know, it was very early. He's a control guy. He is, but he, here's the thing. It was early in his career, and first he had movie. first movie. He didn't really understand the process, and he was a little insecure. All, yeah. all of the geniuses are extremely insecure. On, is that true? I think so. Okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of them cover it up with drugs and everything. Right. Mike, Mike did not. Mine's, right. Mike's a clean machine. Right. But um, he was okay. You know, Dana is a pleasure to work with. Um, it really did. The shit didn't hit the fan until we were done um, with the movie. And unfortunately, Mike's dad had passed away, so he wasn't around for the uh, test screening. Yeah. And it went really, really well. And so when he got back, he wanted to make some changes. And, I, you know, this is a terrible... I don't want to do the story again, because I, I like Mike. Yeah. Last time I saw Mike... The first thing he did was pull out his cell phone and sh- give me a big hug and show me the picture of his new baby. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so sure. that's heartwarming. Yeah, yeah. And me and Mike are all good. Yeah. And there was a time when 
it wasn't that way, but I'm good with it now because that's what life's all about is getting through those things, you know, learning those sure, lessons course, and course. thanking the people that put you through hell. Yeah. And so that's the way I feel about it. And I love, I love Lauren. I love, I love Mike. And I actually kind of love you, Mark. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so it happened so quickly. I know. Yeah, so quickly. So you did now you wrote television as well. Yeah, I did a little bit. I did some TV work with uh, Jennifer Aniston. Ugh. Yeah. A thing called Five, and they did this huge ad campaign for it. It was on Lifetime, and mm-hmm. I remember being in a cab in New York, and mm-hmm. and uh, I was getting in the cab, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, my picture's on top of the cab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I get in, I get in, and I tell the cab driver, hey, my picture's on top of the cab. <laughs> he goes, yeah, sure, lady. And then I did Roseanne. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was on Roseanne for a season, and that was, um, see, that's another comedian, which you know, God threw in my path. I mm-hmm. mean, it's How'd like that happened. You were writing. Well, this Roseanne? wonderful, this one story editor, this wonderful woman named Arlene Rothberg, who I don't even remember how I met. She was a manager for Carly Simon. That's what it was. I was yeah. doing music videos and yeah. I knew Arlene through that. And Arlene said, you know, Penelope, you're just, you really need to get into something here. She says, you're talented and you need to push yourself. I'm so bad at promoting myself. Yeah. So she got me a gig over at, um, you know, with Roseanne, a story editor, and the first day on the job, um, I was being led down the hall by the producer, and and all this broken furniture and a broken computer was in the hallway, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened here? Yeah. And and the guy goes, he goes, oh, well, one of the writers don't want doesn't want you here, and he's pretty mad about it, so he just tore up his room, and I'm like, geez, this is going to be fun. Why the fuck wouldn't he want you there? Uh, that it was crazy there. That whole it was just insane. You know, like well, I how would, long had been going? Was this later in the run? Well, it was about halfway through. I okay, think well, it was so nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Huge hit. Huge hit. Yeah. Just making money. Yeah, and I remember being in Roseanne's uh, dressing room one day. And there were these voodoo dolls on the dresser. And I'm like, oh, these are so cute. Yeah. And I start to touch them. She goes, don't touch them. Don't touch them. We got them set up to kill somebody. Oh. Or, you know, it's like, whoa, crazy stuff. Yeah. So, so, so it was not a great environment to work in. Mm, no. I mean, again, I don't want to complain. I could have been back at IHOP. You mm. know what I mean? Sure. So it was interesting. I look at it all like it was lessons in my life, you mm-hmm. know? When one day uh, we had gone to lunch and I was in the back seat and got out of the car and as I passed Ro- the window, uh, Roseanne was driving, I noticed she had left her wallet mm-hmm. in the seat of the yeah. car. Yeah. And I said, um, oh, Roseanne, uh, you left your wallet. <laughs> yeah. and, and she turned around, she looked at the wallet and she looked at me and it was just like, wham, she hated me. Really? And I, I'm like, geez, all I did was tell you you left your wallet. And after that, it, 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 was, it wasn't happening anymore. I think... And she was having a bad day. Yeah, and, and that was it. But yeah. yeah, I mean, we're we're friends now. We see each other out, and it's like all good, all good. You know, she got skinny and everything. Yeah. Why Why didn't you direct Wayne's World too? Oh, because I wouldn't make the changes Mike wanted to do, and so were you hired on to do it? No, Lauren, Lauren said if you don't make the changes, Mike's going to kill me for even telling the story again. I don't even want to, but um, Mike said it. You know, Lauren said it. If you don't make the changes, you're yeah. not going to be able to direct Wayne's World too. Uh huh. And then the studio said, I said, well, why don't you guys tell him we don't want to make the changes? The studio goes, no, we want Mike to do Wayne's World 2, and Lauren wants him to go back to the show, so you have to tell him. So I I took the hit. Oh, you're the fall guy? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. It bombed, so. Well, you didn't have to, at least you didn't have to, you know. 
bury somebody or yeah <laughs> it was fine and you did you did a few movies you know some of them did better than others right yeah i've had my my mega hits and my mega bombs and out, uh, outside of um you know we're going to talk to anna now your daughter about how the the box set came together and, and your relationship but what what would you like to be working on now? What are you working on now? Well, we are, um, you know, she's going to finish that movie on the carnival. The and doc on your on your mom. Yeah, and you. Yeah, we have we have uh, elements of the decline four already filmed. What's that about? Oh, I can't tell you, Mark. Come on. I really like you. I don't know if I can touch this. Yeah, though. you can touch can it. Can I pick yeah, it back yeah. up? Okay, that what was. Do you mean you really like me? What you, is it a music thing again? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. And I, I, the, the reason is because if I tell you yeah. and it's public, then right. anybody can go and do it. Oh, okay. So that's why I'm trying to keep it a little bit on the down low. Yeah. You know. What part of uh, Los Angeles do you live in? Oh, I live in Laurel Canyon. Uh-huh. When I when I started doing the movies, I, I started buying a bunch of houses. So I have, um, and, and, and that's why four years ago when I... Uh, ask Anna to come to work for me uh, yeah. with me I, I I needed her to help me with the houses and with various other scripts and you know whatever I'm doing and she goes mom I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it unless the first thing we do are the decline DVDs and so that's why it happened because people have been wanting it forever so you got a bunch of houses up in Laurel Canyon yes I do up mm-hmm. on like Woodrow Wilson well we've got uh, up by we got Two, one up by Mulholland, yeah, one in, by Mount Olympus, and two in... Uh, what, do you rent them? Yes, I do. Oh. Yes. Well, that's nice. So you, you're smart. And I got a place in Santa Monica, yeah. That you Condos. live in? No, oh, no, no. That you buy? So that you, I rent. So you did, the, you did the smart thing. Yeah, I did. I, I accidentally dumbed out. Though, you know, I have this boyfriend. He used to call me the waitress that got lucky. And... Um, <laughs> And he's not my boyfriend anymore, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not. What? But I want to say, and I cleared it with her before I came in with Anna. Um, yeah. About five years ago, Anna had uh, an issue because I don't know if you know this or not, but, um, you know, uh, drug addiction is uh, pretty much genetic, sure. oftentimes genetic. And her father had a really, really bad problem. Mm-hmm. And five years ago, she had a bad problem. Mm-hmm. And the reason I asked her to come to work for me is because I wanted to be with her every day and I wanted to watch her. She crashed a car with a kid in it. And both both of them were fine. But I I, I, I made her start working for me. And that's how the declines came about. The, the box set came about is because, you know. Get her back on the right path. Get her back on the right path. And she kicked ass when she did it, too, you know? So you've got, uh, well, let's get her on the mic, Anna Fox, right? Yeah. You put, pull it to Closer. your face. Closer. Yeah. Closer to my face. Sure. Kind of like this. Yeah, right it's great. Yeah, oh, look at that. Look at that. How'd I do? It's good. So, uh, Anna. Yes, sir. You were you got all fucked up on drugs. I did. I've been there. I Yeah, it's not fun. And you have a kid as well. I have three. You have three kids. Yes, one of wow. my kids is actually an adult now, which is weird. <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, what now? How you been clean for a little while? Coming up on five. Yeah. Hey. Pretty good. That's great. Yeah. Now, well, th- that's a sort of touching story. So, were you guys close before uh, the this this new relationship came, or was it strained? We were close. In a more codependent way. Yeah. Um, sure. 
in a more angry way from my side. Uh-huh. Uh, so you're fighting her. You were fighting her. Yeah. 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 Uh, making a lot of sh- shit up in my own head. Sure. About sure. her. And then that, how you got fucked somehow. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. How do you guys know all these things? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You got the short end of the sure. stick with yeah. mom. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was able to work through a lot of that stuff. Was uh, she the only one there when you hit the, when, when, when the chips were down though, ultimately? No, no. My husband was there. I, I had a lot of support. Oh, good. Yeah, I was You still together with him? Yes. Wow. We've been together... 21 years. And he just got into the cult. Yeah, he's playing with the cult now. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's he play? He plays key, uh, like synth- synthesizers, keyboard, guitar. So you're a rock like and that. roll girl. I am. <laughs> yeah, Where'd yeah. that come from, Mark? I don't know. I yeah. know. Showing those movies, dragging her to punk clubs. That's what it was. How yeah. Did you go? Well, was she, how old were you in 79? Nine. Did, you didn't take her to the clubs, did you? She did. <laughs> She took me to a fear show one time and she said When you were nine? Yeah. She set me up on the stage thinking that would be a safer place to keep me. So I don't know if we were in the frying pan or the fire or what. Do you have a recollection? I do, yeah. I went to X shows. I remember falling asleep in the back of the um, Roxy in a booth. No, no, in the whiskey. uh, Uh In a booth during an X show because it was just getting too late for my little brain. Uh So I would just crash out in the booth. How great was X in that movie? Mm-hmm. They are awesome. I, it was just yeah. like, it's so magic, man. They're still one of my favorite bands. So I go to great. all the shows. How's she doing? Exine. She's good? She's good, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And now, what? What was this your idea to, to release this box set? Yeah. It was? It, well, we both knew it needed to be done. Really? How, how'd you know that? What was happening? Because it was eating away at her. Oh, really? Well, oh, yeah. No, because the social media, too, and I'm not really, you know, out there cyber surfing as uh-huh. much as she is. And uh-huh. she came to me one day and she goes, Mom, you have no idea how much people want to see these movies and you have no idea who you are. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and she went, people have a lot of respect for you for doing these movies, right. you know? And and the, the, it is my life's work. That's yeah. the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. And... Not Wayne's World, not right. Black Sheep, not any of that. Right. But but the decline is my life's work. Oh my God, you, th- you did Black Sheep too? Yeah, and the little rascals and stuff like that. You're you, sweet. You, you yeah. Done, you done, you, you've worked with a lot of geniuses. Yeah, Chris Farley, God oh, bless him. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, think I heard a story about him that kills me every time. Yeah. This guy knew him in Chicago, I think, mm-hmm. back in the improv days. And they, you know, and and Chris was in town, and he's been successful. And they were up all night. They did mushrooms. They were drinking or mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, apparently, uh, Chris was just sitting there, and he just threw up on himself. Mm. And he looked up and he said, "I guess I'm full." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh no, that is hilarious. Oh, that's yeah. He didn't. He wasn't fucked up when we were working, though. No, he would actually ask me if he could leave when we were doing Black Sheep. He would ask me if he could leave, so he could go to meetings. The AA meeting. Yeah, everyone tries, man. It's weird. Yeah. You know, people fight the fight and they lose the fight. I see it all the time. I got, I'm coming up on 16. Wow. Oh, wow. So, you know, I've seen a lot of people come and go and, it, you know, and it's, it's always very, uh, mm. it's, 
there, once you get, you know, you get into the hearing the stories and, and, and it has an effect on you, mm-hmm. it really connects you with something very tangible about, about life and about struggle and about, you know, the redemption. I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. like if I go to a meeting, and I know I'm not supposed to talk about this publicly mm-hmm. or whatever, but I don't care. Mm-mm. You know, like when I hear a story, like right right at the moment where, you know, where AA, where they find it, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best funny. part of the story. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. That's good. Well, I just thought I was terminally unique. I didn't think anybody else could possibly relate to what was going it's on. Crazy, in my life. right? Yeah. No, I had right. And no one's like me. Possibly understand. Yeah. And then you walk in, like everyone's like Every you, and you're like, holy fuck, one of them. Well, well, can you great. imagine what I was going through? The poor me when uh, she, when I saw that she was addicted. Yeah. After having gone through the death of her father because of drugs, uh-huh. that's all I could think about. My daughter's going to die. Oh, the same thing the old man did. Yeah. And and so it was only you know then that we, we really really got back together together you know and and it's hard to believe that you don't know if something's bad or good until some time has passed mm-hmm. and that was the most horrible time of my entire life was when she was strung out or, or no when, when she was strung out when she I, was yeah. i was able to take it better because i knew bobby was going to go there was no other question about it but i was really secretive uh-huh. nobody could figure out what the hell was going on with me uh-huh so just a lot so of concern right right like what's going on yes Ugh. yes I had a what lot were you doing secrets um i was taking a lot of doctor prescribed medications and the scary thing is i didn't doctor shop i didn't go to multiple doctors uh-huh. for it it was all from the same doctor uh-huh. and it was excessive uh-huh. i don't know how they i, I don't know how happens look i you know it's I, astounding to me that doctors can do that yeah, I think some of them are 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 like are not really clear because they just a lot of them are not sensitive to addiction and they listen to your complaints. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you underestimate the charm of somebody in need of drugs. Oh yeah, well, the, <laughs> I got good at complaining. Sure, exactly. I'm still I'll, in pain. Eh, yeah. Still hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hurts more. Dicey. Yeah, more yeah. and more hurts. And you do, and your dependence gets higher. So you need more, Mm -hmm. your tolerance, right. Well, so now I guess through this process of you getting sober, you guys have gotten tremendously uh, closer. Mm -hmm. And did you cop to your shit? She must have been right about some things. She did amazing. Great. She did so much work. She still works on a daily basis. Mm. And I am constantly noticing adjustments and change with her to this day. And you have I, I was what? totally humbled by that experience with her. I mean, I yeah. for about a year and a half, two years, all I did was cry all day long. I would go to like try to go to workout classes, and uh-huh. the teacher would be looking at me, going, "Are you all right?" And I'd be just like snot <laughs> coming down my face, you know, because <laughs> <No. laughs> I, I mean, it was devastating to me. I didn't think I would ever pull out of it, you know. And then when I got the idea to make her come to to ask her to come to work with me. Mm. And she said she would if we did the decline movies. I'm like, that is so freaky. Now I understand why the decline movies have not come out before now. Because I needed to have this happen. It brought me and my daughter closer together. You know, it it mended a very terrible situation. And you owned the movies. Yes. that, That helped. Yes, but I could never put them out because sure. it, I, it was so precious to me and I identified so much with them that I didn't want to fuck it up. So right. I, I, I was just like, then I just won't put it out. 
You know, mm-hmm. and she I really think, wanted to do it right. Right, it had to be right, right, just right, right. And that's why when we met, we 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 looked for two years for the distributor, uh-huh. and we found Shout Factory. Oh, Bob great. Emmer. They did this prior box. I know. Mm-hmm. That, there you go. Yeah. yeah, the Mel Brooks box. They're great. Shout mm-hmm. Factory. Those Foose Brothers and Emmer totally rock. And then my lawyer David Pierce put us all together, and that was the magic moment. We got together with them. Anna started to work, and she had to drag me into the editing room because I, I it was like having my life flash before me. I didn't want to look at the stuff. See, that's why you didn't put it out. That's right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What were you ashamed of? Uh, no, you, you use that word. I wasn't. <laughs> uh, I, I I wasn't ashamed of anything. It was a lot of um, fear and hurt, actually, about not being able to get them released. You know, having controversy surround them for so many years, and like what. Um, you're exploiting people. Oh. You know, you you know, you didn't represent me right in in the oh, movie. Oh, by the people in the movie. You know, and I don't want them to be unhappy. You know, and generally now, like you were talking about, people work through stuff. Right. You know, somebody said they talked to Chris Holmes the other day. He's not pissed anymore. He used to yell at me at clubs. Hey, bitch, <laughs> you owe me some money. You know, <laughs> really? Oh yeah. You know, I was like, we paid you, Chris. He's like, well, I don't remember. Wonder why. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wow, and so a lot of people are dead too, right? A few. They anyways. bitch too. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm thrilled that it came together. So now this this uh, beautiful box that's available. Yes, uh, it June is. June 30th. Oh, June 30. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love and the it shop saved factory. Me, it saved my daughter's life. That's the way I look at it. And not only did it save her life, it sounds like she's working on other projects for you. Oh, she is. She mm-hmm. is. She's she's going at it here, and um, she's really good at what she does, and she's so good at handling people, far better than me. Uh-huh. And um, what is your what do you what is your role like? What is what is your title right now in you your? You know what? Head? It's so weird. Yeah, I hate titles. Uh huh. Other than dog rescuer. <laughs> I'm like I'll do whatever I do. No, she does. She has She's a producer credit on the box. Set. There you the box go. You're set. A I produce the box. Set. Okay. No, but like with this documentary project, She's you director. Gonna, you're gonna you direct get that. Used to it. Yeah, you gotta say you're director. I was told that by a famous director. director. Yes, yeah. you do. Once you start directing, you say you're director. Oh well, then I'm a director. There you go. How'd that feel? Yeah. And a dog. <laughs> and a dog rescuer. And a dog rescuer. Yeah. Uh, so that okay. So you're working on that, and you guys are busy. Uh, uh, brainstorming uh, decline four. Yes, we we started shooting it a little bit already, but now we had to put it uh, aside so we could get the box sets out. But yeah, well, congratulations, and I'm glad you guys are getting along, and I'm glad you're healthy, and I'm glad you're uh, you you seem to be um, getting lightening up a little bit, letting things go. Penelope Spirits. You know what, Mark? What? You're Regis. such a you're such a charmer. I could totally understand why the president would call you up and say if he could come and visit you. I could totally understand that. You are a total charmer. Were you like that when you weren't clean? Were you a charmer? No. No, I was a sweaty, total angry asshole. mess. <laughs> <laughs> I had some charm, but it was it was to a very select group of people. Right. Yeah. He's well, very and passionate. Just, and just to get what you wanted. Exactly. <laughs> well, we appreciate you uh, talking to us. It's nice to talk to you. Okay. So that's it. That's our show. That was Penelope Spiros, her daughter Anna Fox, there at the end. And uh, that uh, box set of the Decline of Western Civilization available at Shout Factory. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Um, what else? Denver and Boulder. Come on out. Boulder Theater in Boulder, Colorado, Friday, July 24th. Paramount Theater in Denver, Colorado, Saturday, July 25th. What else? Oh, my God. 
All right, I got to get it together. Boomer lives. <laughs>